Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from... Mild to wild, they'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out, horizonstructures.com. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bites. I am Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, with me, as always, from Canton, Ohio, is Eric Stambro. Eric, what's up? Um. Fuck today, Wednesday. Um, yeah, exactly. So we had, I had a kind of a bummer news yesterday. Um, years ago, when I was still at the police department doing the training, we trained people from all over the area. And um, we have a department that I trained a dog named Pete for. Um, Pete was a German Shepherd, uh, real nice dog. It's one of those weird things with Pete that, um, you know, how we, I talk about this a lot with uh, decoys and, and handlers and stuff based on your physiology, the way your body's built and the way that dog's head and mouth are, sometimes their bites hurt some people differently than others. Like it's like, I don't even feel that one. And other people are like, Holy shit, this is terrible. Well, Pete was one of those dogs that, um, he had a, he had a good bite. Um, but he always bit me right behind the elbow all uh, the time. This little gap ever, no matter what I did every single time. Or your Just pinky the way his, oh yeah. And it hurt like hell. <laughs> so, all the way his um, muzzle was, you know, the skinny, just the way, just the way it was, and the way my elbow and arm are, um, he was quite painful all the time. Uh, but I like Pete, real noisy dog, um, Sable Shepherd, real uh, vocal, real good dude, um, nice dog, man, real nice dog. He um, he had a, a handler who quickly got promoted, so the dog ended up going to another guy named Mike, who ended up uh, becoming a friend and trained with Mike for a long time and they, uh, they retired Pete and then, um, he had to put Pete down yesterday. So the, the fucking shepherds, man, they get 10 years old and it just 10 years old becomes a problem with those dogs. And he was almost 11 and Mike saw some behavior changes. And then yesterday, something just was off and he took him in and, you know, cancer riddled with cancer. So anyways, Rest in peace there, Pete. You're a good dude, man. I really like that dog a lot. He was a lot of fun. Um, pretty high drive shepherd. So uh, I talked to Mike a little bit ago. You know, it was one of those inevitable things. He knew it was coming, you know, type deals. But he got to retire. He was retired for a while because Mike's got another dog 
that uh, they bought for me after I retired and um, real nice dog named Diesel. So uh, plugging away, man. Um, it's nice. I have sticking to my thing. I have no dogs in the kennel. No. Must be so nice. not having to go there. Um, before <laughs> I left for Aruba, I just got back from vacation in Aruba. Before I left, I turned over the last couple uh, pet dogs I was doing. Uh, although I'm getting another one Sunday, another one on Monday. Then I probably am not going to make it out of October without getting some working dogs. I have some departments that are looking for dogs to come test. So hit up David uh, at Black Rock, Black Rocks Canine and my other guys out in Europe and start loading back up. But it's going to be a very busy winter. How was going on in Tulsa? Uh, yeah, I did the exact opposite. I loaded up with pets. I sent a bunch home. And I, like, I sent yeah, a bunch man. home at like 10, 11, and 12, and then at 1, 2, and 3, all the new dogs showed up. I had enough time to clean the kennels and sterilize them. And then every, so all of the new ones showed up and I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to start over. Then when it Next rains, it pours. <laughs> yeah. Then when it rains, it pours and we got more than five departments that are like, I need dogs now, blah, 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 blah. So it's become a, one of those situations where I've scrambled to like hit people up and start filling these orders for single and dual purpose dogs. Um, so uh, the dog I mentioned in the last or the episode before last that um, got in trouble with heat at a training day, he ended up dying um, from those injuries. He had massive brain damage, brain damage and some other stuff. And um, so the candler is a good kid. Uh, I'm not going to mention where he's from, but uh, he's a good kid. Um, he is self-funded. The department does not want to invest anything now though they're you have to they're they're gonna meet him in the middle and put heat alarms in the car so that doesn't fix the meet him in the middle i get the fuck out of here man look i there's some other shit going on they roast that department that chief there i'm not roast them i'm he's a good kid the other handler is a good kid that department there i'm not even asking the name because you know i'll make an issue out of it so i don't want to i don't want to know because uh, I think that that chief who refused to buy the heat alarm because he's a cheap motherfucker should be fired, should be run out, retire, get your ass out of law enforcement, fuck off. Well, here's my thing. So he's funded, right? And he's he's putting the bills for all the emergency vet shit, like everything. And my my just my background or whatever else, I was like, so let me get this straight. You own a dog. And the department owns the car and the vehicle. And because they refuse to put equipment in the vehicle, your asset that I don't, yeah. right. I mean, your dog died because it was like, so the, and when I said it, somebody else who I'm not going to mention looked at who's been a guest on the show, looked at me and was like, that's a good point. <laughs> like They're like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. And so I, and I kind of like backed out of the room. I did the whole Homer Simpson thing. I was like, I'm going to step into the bushes. Yeah. I was like, uh, and here we go. And I was like, uh, so anyway, um, the upside, well, not the upside, the, the outside, the other part of that is that I'm, I'm going to help that kid get a new dog. And I'm working with, um, one of the other guests that we've had Don Slavic, um, USPCA on getting him, another dog and uh so awesome. yeah, hopefully we'll get him a new one um he needs one he's a good kid and it's an area that needs one so um other than that i got pets 
uh, and police dogs. Like, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants fucking police dogs. Mm-hmm. And all of, all of a sudden, also, everybody wants um, pets trained. I got a bulldog today that looks like a kettlebell with like legs. Nice. And his, name swings is, with him. his name is Chunk. <laughs> Dude, people, I got to tell you, people that have bulldogs usually have pretty legit names. When Legit she dropped good names with those, when dogs. the owner dropped him off, she said it, and I looked at her, and she said it again, and I didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, and I was like, I'm, I gotta, I'm gonna label his food, so it's C. That I stopped, and she was like H, and I was like, okay, and I stopped, and she's like O, and I, like so I made her spell it out. I'm like, okay, I didn't mishear that. All right, that's, that's okay, chunk. Fair enough. He's cool. He barks a lot. He's an asshole. We have uh, a, a pity that comes to daycare. He's, a, he's the biggest dog, and his name is Chulo. And everyone loves that dog. He looks like Chulo. When you see it, if you I come can in with speak the band all here. kinds of nicknames. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys got to go to YouTube to see what the fuck we're talking about. So, exactly. real quick, what is the, when is the, um, the fiscal year start for departments in, in, Oklahoma. It or depends. End, I should say we're not uh, here. They're not like it's not a state thing, like it is mm-hmm. in Florida and some of the other places. So a lot of times it's October to October, uh, December, and then a lot of times I've seen it January one. Like so, it like really depends on it. it depends on the individual department. Um, so because I think the the military goes October to October. I think and, yeah, and the federal some... government, as we're seeing. Uh, so I think a lot of departments just stick with that, you know, based off of that. Well, we have a special operations unit from the military that's coming to the HR, that wants to come to the HRD in South Carolina. And we have to wait for three more days to invoice them. Yeah. <laughs> because we're recording this like two days or three days. I don't know what day it is, but it's like two or three days before October 1st. And uh, we got to wait till October 1st before we can invoice them because they've already used up the training budget for the year. So... Uh, I yeah. think my old department was later in the year. I think we we're a little bit more into December. Yeah. Well, and, um, and it's pretty part of like it's pretty part of the course. This is when police dog sales in Oklahoma, well, in this part of the country, like ramp up because everybody's budget starts renewing. Uh, summer is like everywhere. Doesn't summer it, seems no, to yeah, fall. Yeah. So, well, and then you know back to school and all the other bullshit. So, it, like, but when it comes around and i know them dudes like i know those admins sit on their hands they start planning in late spring and they're like oh in september we're gonna buy a dog and then they send you an email like three days before their thing and they're like we need a dog next week and i'm like hey how long have you known about this and they're like oh for 20 years and i'm like okay (laughs) like you you can give me a little more you can give me a little more heads up you know that right and so that and inevitably like my inbox there was filled the other day and i'm like yeah it's it's getting close to when the budgets are resetting so i can tell and it happens every year so oh show so uh what do we got going on tonight oh uh, so tonight we're um we haven't had a a, a real good um interview with a, a female handler in a long time it's been a, it's been a minute we we talked about it we needed to uh rectify that and we we're looking around for uh actual people that are currently handling not that any of our guests before that weren't handlers um, were an issue. They were all awesome. We love all our guests, but we wanted to get somebody who is currently doing the, doing the work down in the United States right now. Um, so we, uh, brought a, on a lady who is, I think we have some mutual friends that have done some training with her, or at least I do. 
And then we, of course, like anything, met, quote unquote, through Instagram and became, quote unquote, friends. It's crazy how you can still have all these people that you know and friends and probably never meet them. Or if you do, yeah. it's like, hey, how you been? Yeah, we've actually never met. So coming to us um, from Raleigh PD in North Carolina is Michelle Lyman. Michelle, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Awesome, man. Thanks for coming in. We had a little technical problem with my computer. I was effed up from the travel to Aruba, I think. Because um, Brian, our sound guy, is like, hey, did you, is this the first time you plugged it in since vacation? I'm like, yeah, is that a problem? He's like, could be. And turned out it erased like all my timestamps. I fixed that. And, you know, the usual unplug, smack it. You got to, you know, hit things. And here we are. I, 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 Alicia literally just sent you a text. I was like, can we buy you an Apple? Yeah, well, yeah, 100% you can. I like Apple. Yeah. I have Apple everything else. He's like, this, yeah, this computer is uh, the original one you guys got me, though. Original Working Dog Radio. I think it might have been yours first. And then, um, oh, like okay. your younger brother, I, I yeah. gave me yeah. this. There we go. No, I, I tell you what. So everybody listening, I'm just gonna buy Eric like a fucking iMac or like yeah. like a like the other one. So yeah. like, I'll let Alicia figure it out. It's not my yeah, problem. Yeah, great. I'll but, take like, it. <laughs> this thing's been. We've used this so much. It's it's definitely you know uh, it's definitely kicking a bucket. But anyways, we're supposed to start like 40 minutes ago. So I appreciate Michelle you sticking around. So um, welcome. And let's talk. We usually have everybody kind of go through their background. I know you uh, are a Midwest kid that, that that relocated like a lot of people down to the that whole triangle area down there in North Carolina. By the way, for those of you who are wondering, North Carolina is not the South anymore. Just so you guys all know, <laughs> you go around there, it's coffee shops and yins and used guys and a lot of that shit. So anyways, talk about your background and kind of what led you up into canine. We'll get into your up and down canine situation and career that you've had. It's been quite a roller coaster. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. This is definitely a state of transplants. I'll agree with you. Um, not many people you meet are actually from North Carolina. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, originally from Kansas city, I went to, to college at Drake university up in Iowa, played athletics, which brought me out to the East coast. Um, through basketball. And I just liked this state, had the mountains, the beach in all four seasons. I thought what a cool state to live, live in. So I moved out here after college uh, with all intentions to go back home and then fell into law enforcement. Um, I'm not from a law enforcement uh, family, don't have a law enforcement background. And um, through sports, just meeting people out here on a, a co-ed slow pitch softball team, the coach was a retired officer and his wife was a current officer at the time. And he suggested it to me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about law enforcement? I think you have the right disposition and personality for it. It's a pretty cool job. Uh, you should check it out. And I was right out of college, hadn't really landed my full-time career, if you will. And I was open to it. It, he made it sound appealing. So he offered to bring me to introduce me to a recruiter. I was willing, went, and the rest is kind of history. So in 2004, I got the job. I applied, got the job, and started the police academy here in Raleigh. Cool. Now, what what um, what were you studying in college? So I got my <clears throat> bachelor's in business administration and was hoping to actually go into coaching and do something in the sports world. R originally, before 
college and when I entered, I wanted to be a vet. And then I've always had a love for animals, especially dogs, and then found out how much schooling it was and just wasn't really appealing. I wanted to get in and out of school, was ready to get into the real world, surprisingly enough, and get a job instead of going to school for almost 10 years or whatever it was back then. So I kind of opted out, changed directions last minute, focused on playing sports and having fun and um, just kind of landed in this career. Veterinarian is the every girl's dream. Every little girl <laughs> wants to be a vet and <laughs> not too many make it to that point. They're just like, yeah, no, 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 thanks. Well, unless you have three girls, I do. And two of them want to be canine officers and I'm oh, trying look to at that. <laughs> lead them That's a different good. direction. Maybe. I don't know. Law Mom enforcement's changed changed a little bit uh since i started that that's cool so um tell people who don't know especially it would be a lot of people from anywhere but the eastern time zone that really don't know what raleigh's about tell them kind of that whole area what you're looking at what what it consists of what the industry is and all that stuff sure so raleigh's known for the research triangle it's just uh it's literally a triangle of uh, raleigh durham the airport area we've got some some smaller cities around Cary, Morrisville, Nightdale, Wake Forest. So it all kinds of ma makes up this metropolitan area um, that feeds into Raleigh. Um, a lot of medicine background. Um, it's known as the research triangle. So there's a lot of medical research done here. Um, a lot of really big industries, a lot of draw for people to, to move here. Uh, it's reasonably it's reasonable to, to buy a house here. So you're, you can get a decent amount of land and a decent size house for a, a pretty reasonable amount of money in comparison to some other metropolitan areas. So that's a big draw for people. Uh, a lot of business opportunities. Um, I wouldn't really say a big downtown. I'm from Kansas City, so it's all relative to what you're used to. Um, but it is a decent downtown. It's growing. It's evolving. Um, they've done a lot of improvements even in the last decade and a half that I've been here. So um, and then there are a ton of colleges around there. There's uh, NC State, Duke and UNC, which is a big draw. And then some other smaller colleges as well. So it's kind of an eclectic mix of, of a lot of different people in walks of life. Do you um, have you ever met other people from Kansas that come down there? I have. Actually, there's several in the department that are from Kansas. Nice. Um, and then I run into an occasional Jayhawks or Chiefs fan. So, yeah, absolutely. Nice. My. Uh... Our one of my daughter's best friends live. They live two doors down, and uh, they're uh, the the mother. Her parents are massive Chiefs fans. Like uh, they live in Kansas City, come here for the summer because we live at the lake. They got a house over here at the lake, and so it's it's pretty cool to talk to them about it. Um, they're awesome people. My favorite story of those two is when they drive here or back. They stop it. They have a whole series of Dairy Queens. Oh, nice. The entire route is based off of Dairy Queens. <laughs> it's the best thing. It's the funniest story. They're they're great people. So um you get down there. Did you you probably didn't know much? I know when I so I I had relatives that lived in Charlotte outside of Charlotte forever. And every year, two, three times a year, I go down 77. You get to what is that? Where is that 40 or whatever I it is? 40? You turn off 40. You see the Raleigh sign. I'm like, I should, I should probably go there sometime. Won't power on down past it. Um, did you know? Did you have to do research of the place? No. So we we played in the Sweet 16 in basketball out here. And so that brought me wow, to you guys were really good. Specific area. 
Um, and then I had a friend of a friend that I went to college with that was a grad assistant. It's, it's funny. It's all networking, right. And just meeting people. And, um, they had a friend that lived out here and said, Hey, do you want me to hook you up with a a decent area? And, you know, at least an apartment complex to start. So I said, yeah, why not? I'd rather have a recommendation than just blindly go in, you know, living somewhere and not know anything about it. And then I had a high school friend of mine that her parents relocated when she went to college. And so she didn't really have a home per se. She didn't want to go back to the Kansas City area because that's where she grew up. But she didn't want to go to Chicago because that's where her parents moved. So she said, oh, I'll come. I'll come with you. You need a roommate. And I said, absolutely. So um, she's now married to a police officer here, coincidentally <laughs> enough. And I became a police officer. Um, and we're both still here with no intention to stay in. So I find a matchmaker there. Did you introduce him? <laughs> no, we just went. I wasn't even in the department yet. And we met him together and they hit it off. So it just kind of it just kind of happened, worked out like that. But pretty cool the way it did. Yeah, that is really cool. So you get on in 04, right? Yes, sir. So when you get on. OK, I get on my department in 96. Just prior to my getting on, we our department had 12 dogs. Then when I get on, they were down to three, three or four, four, maybe. And, and then we went to nine and then we were at six and then we're at seven and eight and six and seven, all this stuff. What did it look like when you got on there and what was kind of your first impression? I, I can't tell you. I don't recall the exact number when I joined the department. Um, I, I know that we got a chief um, and I can't remember the exact year from New York um, that came down here and brought a whole lot of different ideas to this Southern city. And she was very pro canine. So she beefed up our canine unit. We had dogs in specialty units, um, not just supporting patrol. And I think at one time, the largest we had was 12 handlers, somewhere between 12 and 15. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, but m- multiple people working in two dogs, which is, I don't know if that's common where you guys are. There's five of us no. on our current unit no, that have two dogs. Um, so there's multiple, <laughs> multiple outlooks on that. Obviously the department's getting more for less, um, by us utilizing two dogs. Uh, but those of us that do love it, I wouldn't recommend it for a new handler at all. It's a lot of work, a lot of documentation. Um, I, it, it could be overwhelming. I could see, uh, someone sinking, having that responsibility and still trying to <laughs> find the right way to go and, you know, the I think right that's a New leash. York thing. I think I've no, met some folks outside of Buffalo. Some West, that Coast, do that. West Coast apartments do that too. There's some really? West Coast places. That, well, like in the Western states that do. Yeah. I'm not going to mention who because they get all testy about it, but there are some places that do. And I've met a couple. Uh, my entire time at training as the as a handler and then the head trainer, I, I, I don't know how many dogs I trained there quite a bit. There was one guy. He came from a department. He had a single purpose or excuse me a dual purpose uh patrol narc shepherd he got a uh a malinois to be a dual purpose patrol explosives and <laughs> that was a total shit show dude he so they built his they split his kennel and they built it and they left this weird gap of about four inches three inches and the mal was little and the mile would get his face through the gap and bite oh, no. the fuck out of the shepherd in the other kennel all the time, like light him up, rip his ear. And I'm like, what? Mm. The? 
It was <laughs> total pandemonium in that dude's car, man. It was insanity. And uh, he, he did that for quite a while. Then they ended up shutting down the entire canine unit program, everything in his department. So it was crazy. He, real quick, at training in class, he got promoted and told him that you will be on midnights when you get back and in charge of the jail. They had a bullshit little day holding jail or maybe a 48-hour jail. I'm like, how, how how's that work? And he goes, oh, and by the way, we have a, a state inspection in like two months. So when you get back from school, you're never working your dog. So it was, it was a disaster. Absolutely. Fuck man. I I know it's popular in Europe. Like they're like not super big on dual purpose dogs. Like if they track the track, if they find drugs, they find drugs. If they bite people, they bite people. If there's a lot of singles. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of times, and a lot of those dogs will have multiple handlers. Like you'll have handlers and the dogs like live at big, large kennels. And, you know, the handlers are going and grab like their dog or whatever. And the dog, but our certification process in the United States, whether it be national or state does not allow that. Like we certify as teams. And that's another topic that is like, I can't imagine running two dogs at a time, having to maintain two certifications, national and fucking state. If you have state both, I'm like, ah, damn it. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, that would suck. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And no. I think. I think I would guess, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just a, an assumption that a lot of this um, stuff where people really are like, shit, we really need a bomb dog added into the mix was after 9-11 or, or shortly after 9-11. People kind of oh, figured yeah. it out. Because right. um, when I got on the unit in 2005, uh, Canton had no bomb dogs. So Chris Heslop, who came into the class with me, who's now the head trainer there, he had... Him and another guy, Terry, got the first two bomb dogs at the city. And now it's a staple. They're actually adding another one because we have the Football Hall of Fame. And then we do a lot with presidential stuff, the First Ladies Libraries in Canton. So, but they've thankfully have kept doing the dual purpose role, you know. Uh, um, Raleigh. I've never worked for another agency, but the radio is constant. We have three primary dispatch channels for, um, we have six districts and each channel, uh, feeds two districts. So that changed a few years ago. We used to all have one and the call volume was too great that they had to split it up. I would scream and yell at the radio because you could never get in. Right. I would just be like, shut the fuck up. Well, Nobody cares Murphy's, you went to lunch. Shut up. Right. And it's Murphy's law. As soon as one priority call went out, something mm-hmm. else did. And so there were just, it was, it was a mess. It was needed. Um, and it's definitely slowed down once COVID hit. Um, I would say even, even a little post Ferguson, it slowed down a little bit. Uh, the next generation just, it just changed. The next generation of cops changed um, mm-hmm. since that. I think people were a little more gun shy People were sitting on the sidelines a little more, but there was still that, you know, the prior generation that were still cops to go out and put bad people in jail. Um, and so they were still hunting. So thankfully there's still a little bit of that left. Um, but it, it's busy. I mean, when I first started, well, I don't want to jump the gun, but when I first started my first shift on uh, canine, I, the guy I was paired up with had been riding solo for for so long because we were short while people were on training. So he's like, I'm taking off. I've been solo forever. So good luck. You've got it. Mm. So I ran six tracks that night. I went from call to call to call and humping. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) So um, 
we definitely get work. Uh, the dogs um, are not just certification trial dogs. They put in a lot of work, get a lot of mileage, and uh, are utilized quite a bit. Um, call volume is heavy. We're short right now, just probably like any other agency. Um, so the, the patrol is, is really thin, um, which has affected their proactive time because they're just a slave to the radio, just knocking out these calls back to back to back. So yeah, my, uh, we, my are old agency. we are busy, but it's relative. I don't know what to compare yeah. it to. My old agency can, the canine guys are about 25 calls a shift. Um, so m- most of those are canine. We're lucky Canton doesn't have to do canine guys don't handle report calls and they don't handle accidents. So uh, a lot of places our size are bigger kind of like that um I, I always really hate it when i see canine guys having to do you know crash reports and stuff like that but um so something you said about being shorthanded when i tested for canton there was 800 people i'm told they just gave a test recently that there's 12 are you guys seeing that drastic of a drop down there for applicants yes yes absolutely yeah, that's you struggle with that, man. It's it used to be something everybody. It's funny you say that the the next generation of cops have changed, but the generation of criminals have not. Right, and they've absolutely. gotten worse. They've gotten, they've gotten, yeah, they've gotten better. Like <laughs> they've leveled up for sure. <laughs> so, what Ted, where you're at in Oklahoma, are you seeing? Are they bitching? The guys complaining? Are they shorthanded? Is it a thing over there too? It, it's a perpetual thing here. Um, so Oklahoma is a unique um, animal in terms of like public funding for anything. Um, so um, kind of the political structure in Oklahoma is a shit show and they don't spend money on anything worthwhile. So um, like healthcare and schools and law enforcement is perpetually underfunded. Um, TPD and um, Oklahoma City PD are obviously the two largest agencies in the state. The third um, is Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Uh, and they are, I mean, a couple of years ago, they were hit with the 50 mile a day. Um, <laughs> like they Restriction can only drive, or a fucking trooper can only drive 50 mile a day. I'm like, what? where the fuck are they going to go? Like, what are they going to do? Right. I mean, there was like a whole thing about that. Right. Um, during the whole defunding thing, um, one of the nine cities that actually like stepped up to defund their police department. It was one of them was in Oklahoma is Norman PD, uh, Norman, Norman, the city of Norman, not the police department. The police department is great there, but um, it's where University of Oklahoma is. Uh, I think they've regretted that decision shockingly. And um, but at the same time, like TPD increased, there's like 800 grand. I mean, it was, and on top of that, that we have just raised salaries for police officers here um, by not an insignificant amount. And then firefighters recently, I mean, rather than the last like six weeks. So um, TPD also is one of the last departments, I think in the country that requires a college degree and they do not substitute, substitute military service. Um, but you have got to have a four-year degree to really? even apply. Wow. Yeah. And Ooh, that's because tough. of that, because of that, yeah. they are very, very, and TPD is large, like really big. And most of the officers are very, very professional, very well-trained. Like, I mean, you know, you have a very, but yeah, I mean, still to this day, like if you want to apply to TPD, you got to have a four-year degree. Damn. That's and, crazy, man. That's well, the thing, but no, wife, it's not. I mean, look at it now. Like everybody's getting out of college now. They got nothing to do. Like go be a cop. Yeah. But I all mean, those you're guys, for Google for all those exactly. years, all them dudes with combat experience, everything. You're out, dude. Yeah, I know. Uh, that sucks. And we have quite place a few that here. don't allow tattoos. 
you know, guys uh, are coming they've back relaxed and- that shit too. Like I have a buddy of mine that was, that I've known for years that just got on and he's like, I want to go catch bad guys. And I'm like, uh, do your fucking penance and then go talk to the, I gave him the names of the guys and I'm like, go talk to them. Tell him you want to do this, that, and the other. And, and he's covered in fucking tattoos. Like not on his hands or his face or his neck, obviously, but, and it's, but he's covered in tattoos and i mean but he they don't care they that they relax same thing with the sheriff's department here sheriff's department here though i mean he's kind of like they're it's another it's one of the 50 largest sheriff's departments in the country and still they're still hiring and everybody's like mm. mm-hmm. so and they're they're the the access requirements are there and state agencies too like uh, like state agencies that are hiring, state law enforcement agencies are still hiring too, and they're still. Good. I mean, yeah, everybody's like, trying to hire. Yeah, nobody's got I anybody mean, applying. Well, that's the thing. Like people, are like I have a college degree, I can't be a cop. I'm like I work for TPD, they pay and they do pay well. I mean, I want to say their start before they give the raise, like was while you're in the fucking academy, was like fifty six thousand or something. I mean, was pretty good. I mean, for living in Oklahoma, is, yeah, yeah, like while you're in the academy. And that was the last time I looked at it, but I mean, it's, it's a significant, I mean, it's, if you live here, I mean, and it's a great department to work for, for everything that I've heard. And I know several dudes that work there and everybody seems to be for the most part, pretty happy. So, I mean, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a problem. Like nobody wants to work. And if they do, they definitely don't want to be a cop. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, you get, you're on there, you're doing your thing, you're seeing canine, you want to, it, it becomes an interest uh, uh, to you what is the application for canine process testing process? What's it look like at Raleigh? You have to be here four years. Um, then you apply, submit a memo of interest, uh, captain's recommendation at the time. Um, that basically goes off your work ethic, reputation, such if you're recommended or not, or highly recommended. And then there's an oral board. There's a, a house check just to ensure that you have the property and space to put a kennel and the dog can't live in an apartment. You have to have a house. doesn't necessarily have to be fenced because the city provides kennels. Um, but obviously that's a, a bonus. Um, and then when it comes down to it back in the day, they would run numbers to see who's a proactive officer that's out there doing stuff, not having to be monitored. Um, you know, just self-motivated and, then you get on a list that at the time was alphabetized. So you didn't know where you fell until the selection came up. So it used to be uh, chronological where you knew, like I was the next person up Um, that changed when the chiefs changed. Um, You know, I I don't know the exact reasons. The the thought process behind it was so people don't just sit and coast when they know they're coming up for something, they have to still stay motivated, Mm -hmm. continue to do the job or they might be passed over. So um, so mine was not ranked. It was alphabetized and I got selected in 2010. So I had been a patrol officer for six years, um, done some field training for probably four of those. Honestly, I became a field training officer a lot earlier than I cared to. I was voluntold, mm-hmm. um, and which was good experience. It, it definitely, uh, wasn't my favorite. I, I like to go and do, and it was hard to be in the passenger seat. Yeah. watching someone else, especially when they didn't want to necessarily go and do. Um, so I was anxious to, to get my shot on canine and fortunately, uh, got that in 2010. That, that's really cool. That's, that's an interesting process. I, um, I think six years is probably a good amount of time. You know, I, I think I know guys that have gotten into canine two years on the job, one year, three years, four, 
I, I really do. I think five years seems to be that magical number where you, you don't know everything of course about being a cop, but you're, you've seen a lot of shit, man. You're, you're pretty much in it now at this point. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we're going to get into dogs, uh, your dogs and kind of how this whole, um, roller coaster of career, a little bit of roller coaster of emotions and how things went and, uh, Instagram and all kinds of stuff like that. So we will be right back. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level, better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit. Stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, it comes in an ointment, it comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle. Since it's temperature stable, you don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. Vetcare.us on the internet. Quick term by Vetcare on, the inter- on Instagram and on Facebook. And then hit them up with the discount code one. Zero WDR for 10% off your first order. So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American aluminum accessory kennels in the cars, different cars, man, Dodge chargers, all the Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American aluminum accessories. Um, it's a great 
product, a great company. They've been serving uh, canine law enforcement community for over 20 years. If you check out their uh, website, EZ, that's the letter Z, EZRiderOnline.com. They got testimonials. They got videos on how to. They got a list of everything they have. Uh, just today, we made a post on the Working Dog Radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the American aluminum kennel in the back of the car. Check them out online, guys. EasyRiderOnline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to tactical police canine training, that's letter K number nine training.com and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, folks, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Our sound guy, Brian, is happy that I didn't yell. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Coming back in. Um, we, Super excited. He told us, says, you guys really ramp it up when you come back. So, Yeah, we do. Right, <laughs> of course. So we're with our, our friend, Michelle Lyman, from uh, Raleigh PD Canine. Um, we haven't, like I said, we haven't had a, a female handler on in, in, in quite some time, and we're super stoked to have you on again. Thank you for coming on. So you get selected six years on, 2010. How does the dog selection process go? Did they already have a dog for you? Did you go with them? Did you learn anything? Because you know, you don't know shit, so you're probably like, I, what? Just give me a dog. What dog am I taking? Where'd you guys go to get them? How'd that all work? Right. So at the time, the dogs were directly imported from Europe. So, um, the founder of our, um, unit is also a co-founder of the USPCA and oh. he assisted in importing draw dogs directly from Europe. He had contacts over there. So we were told there were three of us, two, two handlers that were already on the unit were getting replacement dogs. And then I was a new handler. Um, and so then we, we also had two others from surrounding agencies that were going through the class with us. We do all in-house training mm -hmm. in our agency. So we showed up at his house when the dogs got picked up from uh, Washington, D.C., I believe, Dulles Airport. And um, they, they each had their name on the kennels and they were already decided. So they said, Michelle, this is your dog. And these two are the other handler's dogs. So I went over, <laughs> mm. met my dog for the first time. They said they were paired based on personalities. Um, he was a beast coming out. I don't know really what that meant, but uh, he was everything that I didn't deserve um, because he was a phenomenal dog from day one. He was a handful. He was a lot, but he taught me more than I could put into words um, from the nine years that we worked together. Was he a shepherd? He was. He, he was a sable German shepherd or Malinois trapped in a shepherd's body, as I was commonly told. But yes, he was a shepherd. So his so name you was Coda. Knew, 
Dakota with a T, right? So yes. yeah. So yep. he was dual purpose explode or sorry, narcotics and and apprehend or well patrol. So correct. Uh, hey, I, I didn't realize that you guys had like a co-founder of USPCA. So um they come in and what does the in-house training look like? A lot of people like to a lot of departments, that's really foreign. Like a lot of times they show up at vendors and like the dog is done. And we're like, here's the dog. And we hand, it was what I do. And I hand him the leash and I'm like, you know, here you go. And he's done. Like, like I could pass certification today with him. But so you get this dog out of the kennel and he's a handful and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so what, what were the first couple of days like? So he's 80 pounds, 11 months old and wide slam open. So he, I, I don't have much weight on him. Um, wow. I'm a 130 pounds myself. Man. Um, so he didn't know how to sit. He was as tall as me when he stood up and, uh, he was a beast. Um, and he took everything very seriously. So we, uh, I, you know, I wish I could remember more vividly the first few days. I remember chunks. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, but he, uh, he was a lot of dog and he was everything I hoped for. I, I had to apply the brakes. I never had to put push on the gas with him. He was, he was pedal to the metal. Um, when he came out every time he was ready to go. And, um, thankfully he was, had a lot of natural talent. Um, he was a naturally gifted tracker. He was a hunter of man. And I can honestly say that after now working uh, subsequent dogs, like the dog just lived and wanted to hunt. And it was a absolute pleasure and honor to, to hold his leash. And in retrospect, I appreciate it so much more than in the moment. Um, but yeah, he was, he was everything I hoped for. He was a lot of work. Um, it took us probably five years to get an out, a consistent out because he just enjoyed the bite that much. We somehow got quick fixes prior to certifications every single time. We never failed a certification and he <laughs> looked phenomenal, but they were just every finger and toe was crossed that today <laughs> is going to be the day that he listens <laughs> um, until I was introduced to a coworker of mine that came from a different agency that really opened my eyes to the psychological approach to dogs. Because back then, I would say from 2010 to 2021, dog training has evolved a lot, even just in those 11 years, oh, yeah. um, where there was a lot more, you do it because I told you so, um, or you're punished versus like, let's have a psychological approach. And I may not be able to physically overpower you, but I'm going to mentally overpower you. Um, and once I learn to speak that language with him, our relationship completely changed. Um, there was never, it was never bad, but there was just some tension. He was the dog that if multiple people came to fight, he was going to bring just a little more than everybody had. Um, so I was never going to physically overpower him. Um, and it just, I, I can't take any credit for it. I was obviously a part, I was his leash holder, but uh, Mike, the individual that brought this philosophy to me, just really opened my eyes and the opportunity of, of approaching dog training completely different than I was ever taught and exposed to initially. 80 pounds is a large dog, right? And I, I've seen <laughs> pictures of him. He's tall. He was a big uh, dog. Did you like that? 
<laughs> so it's no. <laughs> it's funny you ask that. So yes and no, and um, you know that's a it's a very relative question to today, which we'll get to probably later. But um, that's all I've ever had is a big dog as a patrol dog, and the way I look at it is I'm a, a small frame female. Um, I, I upper body is my probably my weakness. My strength is mostly in my lower body. So when I'm fighting that 1% guy that doesn't want to go to jail or wants to harm us or kill us, I want a dog that has some um, ass to him that has something that brings something to the fight. I don't, I can't, I don't feel like I can get away with a little pocket rocket that some guys can because they complement each other. So I like a big dog. Um, you know, as I get older, I'm now over 40 and <clears throat> been doing this 11 years uh the smaller dog not small but smaller like the 60 70 pounds is definitely more appealing and mm -hmm. something that i think is just perfect for police work to be quite honest because fences are easier we live in a very urban or live and work in a very urban environment uh we don't have the luxury of tracks out in big wood wooded field open area um, we're constantly going in over around through stuff so um, it's all I've ever known, but I'm open and anxious to maybe have an opportunity to work a slightly smaller dog, but it's, we've managed, we've, it's never been a hindrance for anything that we've done. So hope that answers yeah. your question. Ted and I ask people that all the time when we're <laughs> doing work, we're doing grip checks and they come out and the dog's 90 pounds. We're like, first dog. We're like, yeah, I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Next uh -huh. dog yeah. will be a sixty-five pound mal. Yeah, that. Yeah, that, when uh, when you, you're chasing it, people, fences <laughs> with a dog like that become demoralizing. Or right. windows, you're like. Oh, That's when you just cut them. Stop, <laughs> yeah. fucking stop jumping that. shit. One, I gotta throw this dog over. Right. Thankfully, he was super athletic. Yeah. The uh, we have that hundred and thirty-five pound Malinois in our training group here, and his handler, and he's. Uh, he's probably getting close to retirement. He's starting to slow down a little bit and his he's starting to like his hips are starting to creak and stuff, kind of like mine. And um, so but the handler the other day was like, When I get another dog, I do not I love this dog to death, but I need one like half this size, and even half this size is still like 70 pounds. And I'm right. like, Yeah, okay. Yeah, everybody wants to do it until you got to do a track and uh, the, where we're at troopers have a bad habit of letting people run off and or where he's at and they he's constantly tracking he's like god damn it if we have to go over another fence and he just started carrying like barbed wire snips and he's like i just knock shit i knock holes in fence and cut and cut fences and he's like i'm not letting this dog over i mean uh, but that's the thing the dog's athletic but yeah. you're behind them with all your but, crap on and they yeah. like snagged and yeah that, and, then, that, and then and arc is a fucking beast too he's yeah he ugh. he's massive that's it's insane. yeah he's a big kid <laughs> so um if i remember right we you worked nine years with him correct correct that's yeah he a, retired at 10 years old that's a nice long career man that's yeah. pretty good what did that career look like he was a hunter of man um he was a super successful tracking dog uh probably I've been told, I obviously have only been here 11 years, probably one of the most successful tracking dogs in the department. We've had a few others that I would put up there in that same category. But again, I, I was just the leash holder that went along for the ride a lot of time. The dog did just some phenomenal work and he just thoroughly enjoyed it. Like he enjoyed the hunt. He enjoyed just the task at hand. 
Um, so that's, I would say our bread and butter here is tracking. And then a side of narcotics, maybe splashed in with some article searches. Um, we'll do an occasional building search, something like that, but we really, that's where our work is, is done. And what we're asked uh, for a lot is tracking of fleeing, fleeing suspects, occasionally missing people and children, but mostly just fleeing suspects. Was he social dog? He was social if invited. At work, he was all business, super protective. Uh, wouldn't let anyone close to me. If you came to my house and he knew you were invited, he was a lover and would let you pet on him, let you. He's a very vocal dog. So even to this day, I can't tell him goodbye in my uniform. He still growls at me and is angry. <laughs> um, he's just got that chip on his shoulder. Um, but if you know him and he... He knows you. He's super sweet, loving dog. So um, he's got both sides for sure, but he's he's definitely carries the chip, um, which brought me peace and comfort bringing him to work every day because I knew no matter what we came up against that he was going to have my back. So it was pretty reassuring. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What did you um, so when you were working my entire time as a canine handler? with the exception of a little bit of the end with my last dog, the drug of choice in Canton was crack. Before the big heroin epidemic started, it was crack, 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 crack. I'm told now it's back. Uh, people got sick of dying from heroin. They're back. It's back to crack. They call Canton crack town. Uh, what was the big drug, drug of choice? What were you finding mostly back then? Um, I'd say crack, cocaine, and, and weed. It's still illegal here. So, I mean, it's pretty much goes along with, with any other drug that we find almost. Um, we've had an uptick in meth and heroin lately, but that was towards the end of his career. And then subsequent since he was retired. Do they even have crack in Oklahoma? Isn't it all meth, Ted? Yeah. Meth's a state bird. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> like it's kind of a thing here. I, one of my buddies is a defense attorney here and, uh, represented a guy that was basically Walter White working for the uh, motorcycle gangs mm -hmm. uh, had a chemistry degree and they had bought him a bunch of shit and he was cooking under a fucking underpass on what i i it's a long story that i don't really want to tell on the air but um i like it, it's a legit deal and um we were one of the states that had like one of the most like shake and bake things until they did the whole like uh meth registry deal. Like my son, I don't know if you can tell, like my sinuses are killing me right now. And I went and bought something the other day and it's still like, they ask for your ID. ID, and, yeah. Oh dude, it's crazy. I'm like, ah, damn. I'm like, dude, I just, I just don't want to sneeze. And, but yeah, I like meth and uh PCP PCP came back pretty gnarly here um really? yeah we don't see a whole lot of crack um one of my handlers a couple of months ago found some coke out in the middle of nowhere i'm like what where are you? i was like where were you and they were part of a they were looking for somebody it was part of a task force thing and so i was like oh, okay and they were near a casino all the trail like, well and we have casinos out here too right so casinos are like magnets for shitheads and um so if you want to arrest somebody just go to a casino i'm sure so like you don't have to sit for very long something's gonna happen they but it it's always um i have a handler that killed two people with a fucking taser and or well two separate handlers that killed people with tasers tasers and they were fucking excited delirium on meth and or pcp but yeah we don't see a lot of crack that i i mean i think in tulsa proper they probably do but for the most part 
it's meth like lots and lots and lots of meth here like it's fucking meth town so <laughs> not like billings not when like i was it. up there for hrd man like that was sketchy like really? billings montana yeah they got some meth problems up there wow it is not like yellowstone on youtube on netflix it's not like that cool town but i here <laughs> between two indian reservations up there and it was yeah. like the dentists I, are like what the fuck man uh, oh what are yeah. we doing <laughs> so and that was the thing like we don't have a huge heroin problem here like they do in florida or like you guys did right so now for a you minute went from yep. hey, for a minute it was a while like you guys were putting dead bodies in trailers i think the county was a death a week or death a day i can't it was pretty standard you know like everybody was for a you while. guys were having like two or three a shift or something ridiculous like some of them yeah some, some guys it was nope. really weird i i um that all stuff started at the end of my time as a handler before i became a full-time trainer so i didn't really have that much of it it was still just crack and dealing with crackheads you know which is a you know fun breed of people so, so we're, um, how, what was the decision to retire him? Um, he had TPLO surgery in, I think 2018, if I remember right, might've been 17. I can't really remember where he came up lame. And at the time of his surgery, they told me that his other cruciate was partially torn. Um, so at some point, and just in general, that surgery almost always requires the other one at some point to, to be repaired as well. So I knew it was partially damaged. Um, he started just, just slowing down, uh, physically, not, not as will or, or ability or desire. Um, so just to be fair to him, it would, we just knew it was time. Um, so we don't have a certain age, some departments around here, like retire every dog at a certain age. We don't have mm -hmm. that. We, that's weird. Yeah. We, yeah, we base it on their ability, their health, um, and, and desire, to be quite honest. So all those came together and everybody told me, you'll know when it's time. And and I did. It was it was it was apparent. It was it was definitely bittersweet. It was a hard decision, but I knew it was the right thing for him. And then shortly after he retired his other one, he came up lame on his other one. So I ended up having to have that surgically repaired as well so he's he has two two yeah. really good back legs but they're unfortunately stiff just because of his age he's 12 now i'm sure it exists but i've not i don't know that i've ever met anyone who did one surgery and they were cool but it always yeah they'll ask our opinion you know hey i got this dog it's five thousand dollars to do is what do you think i'm like hey man it's your dog and your money just so you know, the other one's going to go. So I'm asking for a discount on the other one right now. Right. Yeah, right. Hey. Ahead of time. Yeah. Do it now. Get, like you already got like, a two for And the vet will tell them usually. Charge me 2500 like for yeah. the other one. <laughs> and and, so. and it's a weird thing that weird conversation to have because it's like for some folks, um, you have to put a value on that as far as what can they ever afford, you know? Sure. Um, luckily now with for police canines, there's so many great organizations that will help out. Yeah, um, no, I'm kidding. So the, the funny thing you're, you're talking about the desire is the dogs will go and they're getting older and they like us, they struggle, but they can get the adrenaline. They can get that rush and they can do it and they pay for it for like days afterwards. Uh, my buddy, Ryan, who was a handler for a long time, he had wrecked knees, like wrecked. And him and I were on SWAT together for a long time, and we had to do the PT test every year. And Ryan would gut out that mile or mile and a half, whatever the run was, like a champ. I'm like, dude, you can barely walk on a regular basis. You look like you just got off a horse. 
the way he would with his knees would he would make it and then he would be off work for about a week afterwards and that's the thing with dogs like that man they they want they want they want and slow to get up like he was just once he once the adrenaline dump occurred Mm -hmm. and he got back home the next day he was a lot slower to recover towards the end so that helped the decision as well. I get it. Yeah. yeah right. I, de- I definitely get I'll second it. that. You know, we, I, um, we had a dog named Jethro at our department that was killed and, um, mm-hmm. the FOP made a canine memorial. Cause there's been a couple of them in the, in the County area that have been killed over the years. And the first one from Canton was killed chasing a bad guy ran across the street, got hit by a car. Jethro goes into a grocery store. He goes one way. Ryan goes the other Jethro goes around the corner. He just, he gets the odor and goes in the dude shoots him like five times. And, and it's no different than what you're talking about with your dog. We train that, um, that sensibility out of them. We train the look both ways. They don't know to look both ways before they don't, we train the danger thing out of them. The, you know, you can't teach a dog to, to cut the pie, you know, and, and get around and take a peek around that quick peek around that corner. And you can't train a dog like Coda to not, track or you know or to track differently or to not jump over the the little creek after the guy or the wall in the in the uh, housing project or something like that and it's such a double-edged sword where you know we hate to see them start to um, wear away like that but it we've done it i mean it's what they're there for so um and i'm sure that was super tough you know we've all handlers have been there with the older dogs where it you know, it's, and my, like my second dog, Willie, they made me retire him early. It was all about uh, numbers when a dog was available and everything. They, they retired him at eight and he still had at least three years in, in him. Um, so that, that was really tough to watch a dog get retired. That was still murking people. Like he was amazing, not slowing down at all. Um, so when you're working him in those nine years, um, how, what's like the opportunities for bite apprehensions and stuff in Raleigh? Um, we have, we get them. Yeah. We, nice. the dogs are <laughs> utilized. Um, everybody and, likes to hear about bites. Everybody. Yeah. Um, we, we get them. So when it, when it's necessary that we have dog, we, our standards have definitely changed over the years and it is a requirement that these dogs, have the ability to to keep people safe and to engage at the end. So if mm-hmm. not, they they don't survive on our unit because just the the violent criteria of criminals that we're hunting and going after nowadays is is more and more prevalent. Um, we're not doing the misdemeanor shoplifting tracks. I mean, we're we're, we're tracking some some uh, high level violent gang. Mm-hmm gangbangers and uh, just violent people out there that are hurting others. So yeah, the dogs are expected to to finish the job at the end and keep us safe. And they've effectively, thankfully done that for many a years. Well, um, I, for one, am thankful for uh, your dog service for code of service. That's uh, I love hearing stories. Um, nine years, man, that's a nice long trip with that dog. It's really yeah. good. We've had a couple of guys that had real good long, time with their dogs i i only got a few years out of each one of mine so um super happy to hear that all right we're gonna go and take our second break when we come back we're gonna get into the next dogs when you got into a double dog uh situation in your car and um 
when we come back uh, more with Michelle Lyman from uh, Raleigh PD. And uh, we'll be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, they're also super smart. And they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training the online course. But here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should. Right here online, uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, the course can be taken at your convenience and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, they're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no-brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues and you can't go, get on tacticalpolicek9training.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The doctor guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got Dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR10, they'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900S or that Ball Popper Pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR10. So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So it's why our relationship with Ray Allen Manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related that you need. Anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs you're training for other departments, anything you need, rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law the law enforcement community. 
Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work, lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too. So you got one that fits, you can do it. Uh, they also do contraband and animal control systems, just to name a few. So be sure to hit them up. The website is Easy Rider Online. So that's the letter E, the letter Z, as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is arno out out at alm uh, out there in, in las vegas area arno is a great dude he makes great stuff for for police work and sport work suits tugs i'm telling you right now his tugs are the best in the business you can't get any better multiple colors uh i I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALM canine equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM canine equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day and it's comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the winter time. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it or have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels or give them a call 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right. We are back. Uh, Working Dog Radio, Broadcasting the Bite. Hope you listen to all of our sponsors. We have some really great people in there. 
Check out the discount codes at the bottom of the show notes if you didn't write them down or if you don't know them from the commercials. Again, I've said this numerous times. Please don't ask Ted and I because we don't know them. We look yeah. them up if we're going to use yeah. them. We, I got too I much got shit a, going on. In my I got iTunes and I'm like, uh, I screenshot it and send it to people. Here you go. <laughs> That's why in your phone, it shows you like saved passwords. Cause I can't remember that shit. Are you kidding me? Um, so we're back with, uh, Michelle Lyman from Raleigh PD, um, canine CODIS crew, right? Is it with a C or a K? I can't remember. It's not in front of me. With, the, with the a K crew. in honor of CODA's name. CODA and with a K and crew with a K. Um, great Instagram page. Nothing that's going to get anybody in trouble. You get, you're doing very professional. You're really good at it. Um, you got a TikTok or anything like that? No, I'm not a TikToker. I haven't went, I haven't went down that rabbit hole. I kind of refuse to. <laughs> Please stick with that. Can't, guys are doing TikToks and you can hear like gun runs going off on the radio. Yeah. You know, or, or homicide <laughs> calls. Any any officer that can help. And they're like putting wigs on and doing shit. Your TikTok. No judgment, Anyways. but it's definitely not my thing. Yeah. So um we're we're gonna retire the dog. We retire the dog. Is it an instant flip to your next one that they had for you? Yeah. So there's actually, I think, a two-week overlap where I got a split kennel put in my car because I Coda was a single dog. I didn't mm -hmm. run two dogs when I had him. Um, so I had a two-week overlap of the next dog coming, getting acclimated, riding, me still utilizing Coda until the class officially started for the for the second dog. So the second dog was the um the add-on, the single purpose dog. You had that before Coda retired? No, the second no, okay. dog was Coda's replacement. So it was a dual purpose patrol narcotics dog. Rocco, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you have Rocco for a little bit. You go through training. Uh, Rocco didn't cut the mustard though, correct? Yeah. So he had a kind of interesting background. He, he was uh, different. He wasn't directly imported. Um, we went and tested him at a vendor. He tested exceptionally well. He was two and a half years old, which was older than we traditionally get dogs. Cause once nine 11 occurred, all the dogs went, got younger. Cause the, the demand couldn't keep up with the supply, um, or the supply, excuse me, the supply couldn't keep up with the demand. And so this dog was two and a half or a little, a little over that, um, but mature. So there's something to be said about a little older dog. He was a little bit more mature. He had a sport background. He was personally owned and then sold back to the breeder um, and then sold to the vendor. And then we bought him. So kind of an unusual, exceptional situation. Um, he did well in tra training. Uh, we threw everything at him that we could to cross all, off all the check marks to make sure that he was going to have what it took in the street. Um, I saw a few red flags a couple times where he should have engaged somebody, but didn't. And it was okay just based on the situation, but it was definitely a red flag for me. And then we had a deployment that um, I guess I could summarize it as it would be any handler's dream <laughs> and where he had multiple opportunities to do what he was trained to do and uh, throughout this deployment and didn't. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was probably one of the times I was most thankful for a body camera because it wasn't my dissertation of what occurred. It was a just hit play and watch it type of thing, but it was, it was probably the worst, most stressful, frustrating day of my career by far. <laughs> 
Yeah, for those of you who have listened to the podcast, uh, I, I don't know if I've, I think I've gotten into the numbers, but I, we talk about this a lot at seminars that Ted and I teach at. My first dog, Gene, I worked for three years. We had at least 20 failures to engage every single year for three years. Oof. 20 or more for three years. Probably the most anywhere in the United States, maybe even in anybody's history. 17 people within three months of graduating class that I tased that she should have bit. Mm-hmm. And then there were numerous others. So like maybe 25 people the first year that she should have bitten. So I know all about it. And they kept making me work this dog because they didn't want to spend other money. So I'm like, I'm going to get killed. So you guys know I'm going to die with this dog. And they're like, yeah, keep working. Um, yeah. And then the my second dog came available. He was already on the road and the handler moved on another position. I took that dog, but they were going to keep making me work her for years and years. So I, Trust me, I get the, I get the frustration and, and you start out making excuses, you know, for the dog. Why didn't he, why didn't he bite? I don't you know, whatever. But I know kind of the situation you're talking about. I had numerous of those guys running down the road, like in the middle of the road. That shit doesn't happen that much. It really doesn't. Even though we train like that, it doesn't happen. And I'm sending her and she's running around him. She would go after him like a bat out of hell, run around looking looking for a sleeve, whatever it was. It was just super scary and super frustrating. So, right. Um, and then it's funny, my third dog, they made me retire Willie. And then I got this other dog, Zeus, because he was free. That's why they made me do it. And they were paying somebody to kennel him. So I get Zeus and he's a psycho. And uh, again, some red flags during training. Not so much on the failure to engage part, but a little bit of environmental kind of stuff with noise. And we're out on the road. And I, after I graduated class, I probably, I don't know, three months. I was like, he's got to go, man. Like he would not go inside buildings anymore because an alarm, a real loud alarm scared him. And it just, shit like that, man. It just gets so frustrating and trying to convince people that, oh, you just hate the dog. No, come on, man. It's not that. It's like, this is real, real life shit. Like this is super dangerous, this type of stuff. We have a, uh, well, we or I or whatever, our group, my group has a reputation of having some spicy dogs that don't have any problem. And it didn't used to be that way a long time ago. And I kind of err on the side of the dogs that are a little harder to handle. And so like, I've got a couple now that are, that they don't need any convincing to bite anybody. And like, but then, you know, you, and like, you know, Michelle, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, like matching personalities and matching departments. And there's a lot of departments that need gut checks with dogs like that. I'm like, this motherfucker is going to bite somebody. Like, and I'm going to do my best to make sure he does not bite. You're not going to put him in a situation where he's going to bite backup. He's going to bite somebody else. He's going to bite somebody he's supposed to. But like, when it comes time, like there's going to get work done. And sometimes like they're a little like apprehensive about that. And I'm like, then you really don't want a dual purpose dog. Like just sure. don't just don't put the handler in that situation. And that's a hard, that's a hard, uh, that's a hard like conversation to have with some admins. And I usually default back to what I always say. I was like, well, you give them cars and guns. What the hell are you worried about? Like, they're not going to mm-hmm. kill anybody with a dog. And, you know, I mean, if like, and they're like, oh, you know, and so like, I have like the technical conversations about, case law and stuff but i tend to default to some dogs that are a little 
spicier on and eric and i both are a little <laughs> on that end so i don't ever have that problem anymore but believe me like i've had dogs come to me from agencies that are close and they're like oh we've had four or six or I'll pick a number failures to engage and i'm like well what was the circumstances and like you said they send me some body cam and they're like just hit play and watch and i'm like oh shit yeah and like basic are, stuff yeah and i'm like god damn okay and some of it's training some of it's selection, some of it's genetics, some of it's a combination of, of the, you know, the, the ones that it's training. I'm like, well, and that's what we see a lot. That's what I see a lot at HRDs is dogs that are well-selected and not well-trained. So like they have these little like training deficiencies and I'm like, these can be easily fixed. There's a case, of course, there's going to be a couple where like we were like, this dog is not going. Yeah, my dog Gino is not going to bite anybody. Yeah, I'm like, this isn't going to fucking happen. So, um, and that said, like I've had some dogs come through that I absolutely cannot put with departments because they will fucking bite everybody, including the handler. They try to bite me, and I'm like, I can't sell this. Like, the I mean, who's gonna handle a dog like that? Somebody's gotta live like that with that dog. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, if it's a 50-50 shot every time you get the shit out of the car, I'm like, nah. So there has to be like a fine line. There's a definite line for me, but I, uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like that's they they gotta they gotta do it like mm -hmm. when it's time like right gotta, that work's gotta get done so well, and it was a it was an officer safety issue it was a violent yeah. crime uh it had oh. just occurred and we were met all the criteria and yeah son of a bitch so what you still have so before he gets washed out uh early in the pandemic year is that when you got the we're told hey by the way we're getting you a little cute little labby dog yeah, so I can't remember. I feel like it was like three months before. It wasn't long that I had both of them. Um, that I got Miss Peppers, a little black lab that is the most well-rounded, phenomenal dog I've ever owned. She is so much fun um, and just a blast, honestly. Mm -hmm. But she's a single-purpose explosive dog. So uh, it worked out because I was 60 days without a patrol dog because imports had shut down. Mm -hmm. And so I got to focus on just training her um, and getting her up to speed. So that was a blessing in disguise. So fast forward 60 days and then um, I get Knox. So he was, he finally went imports opened back up. Um, we went and tested dogs and selected. And that again, we tested here um, as well and, and, and selected him. And so then he became my partner in uh, mid 2020. So with Peppers, um, ha hadn't had handled an explosive dog, you know, obviously odor's odor when it comes to training, like in the beginning part, were you apprehensive about it? Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to like this and kind of where did you fall into it? Did you, do you like it? So for the first three quarters of my career on canine, I didn't want any interest because I didn't want to take any time, energy, effort away from my patrol dog. And that's what I felt like. It was just kind of a distraction, just something else that needed to be done. And I'm just, I don't want to do anything half-assed. And I just didn't feel like I had enough time to put a hundred percent into two dogs. Um, and Coda was kind of at the peak of his career too. And it was fun. We were, we were enjoying every shift. Mm -hmm. Um, so then the time came, I got Rocco, uh, he got trained up. I really felt like I just grew and matured as a, as a handler and trainer. And I felt like the time was right. Um, that I felt more comfortable in my skills and knowledge. Um, I went to a train the trainer school with Mike Suttle, 
that I grew oh. tremendously from. Um, clicking chickens? You click any chickens? Yep. Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> did you eat them? Um, did you guys get to eat the chickens? We did not eat the chickens. <laughs> they were fairly like, new, on. I believe. Yeah. Um, um, but that was a phenomenal uh, seminar. If anyone has a chance to go to that, I highly no, recommend yeah, it. Yeah, um, but I got to fantastic. put all that knowledge and skill into training Rocco. And I, I just thoroughly enjoy training a new green blank slated dog. Um, so I just, so Rocco, I didn't really get that completely fulfilled because he had the sport background. Mm -hmm. So I got to like fine tune him a little bit, but I didn't get a blank slate. So I was really excited to be able to do that with peppers. Um, and we really took all the knowledge we got from that seminar and, and applied it directly to her. And it, it just, it was a lot of fun. It's crazy when you get to raise them, knowing that it, I'm getting a puppy next Friday uh, from Holly Benitez, and I'm raising him to sell to either probably, I think I know where he's going, but like the amount, and I've done that on a couple of occasions, but it's amazing the amount of difference it makes in the finished products. Like when you know like what, what you're raising versus a dude, I, I mean, and I'm not knocking anybody in on the other side of the pond, but like when, you know, they're, they're training, they're raising those dogs to pass a selection test versus we're starting from 10 weeks old to pass uh, to work. And so they're seeing shit at 10 weeks old that they will see as a two-year-old patrol dog or, or whatever. And it makes a phenomenal difference in, um, in the finished product but the problem is is it takes two years yeah <laughs> like, right sure i mean so i mean it is what it is but i mean the, the product is fantastic so um how many I'm, odors do you guys certify for the explosive dogs in ohio we have seven that you have to um so we have different categories we have four different categories um it's, it's funny it's the answer to that is really relative i don't know in terms of the uspca the amount of odors but we have somewhere between like 18 and 23 because some are too volatile to keep on um in-house yeah. so ATP and those right uh, right and those ones, yeah. yeah so it's a lot of odors but it's one of those that as soon once they get the game imprinting mm -hmm. the the subsequent odors especially in, in the respective categories it, it's quick and easy is Pepper's a toy or a food reward dog? She will take either, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because she marker trained her. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I tested a little lab um, before her for two weeks. It was food only reward. And I tried to be super open-minded open about it. And my kids would like throw a ball and the dog would look like, what do you want me to do with that? And it was just, I'm sure I know it can be done. It, just to not well, have the option to have a toy and to constantly have to have messy hands and have food just did not appeal to me. He had some, uh, he, he likes some environmental and some other issues too. So it was an easy, easy decision to get, to send him back to not stay with him, but she's, she's the whole package. She was actually bred to be a gun dog. Mm, um, nice. and because of COVID, the person that bought her and left her with a breeder didn't, couldn't afford her and couldn't give her the life that they thought. And so she ended up with us. So it was a loss for them, a major win for us. She's a phenomenal dog. The funny thing is we have guys that are like, yeah, I don't want a bomb dog. New guys. I think I want a dope dog. I want a bomb dog. Look, dude, there's overtime in that bomb dog shit. Yeah. Lots of overtime. Yep. 
And people don't, they're like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> I changed my mind. I never knew. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude. Colleges and football games and basketball games. You're over there, but Duke probably. Yes, everything, concerts, concerts, all of that shit. People are like, I didn't even know we had all this crap in our town. It's like, yeah. So then you get to work overtime and then go find bad guys. Right. That's all you have to do. <laughs> we have we have way more overtime than we want with the bomb dog stuff. We have yeah. explosive work, the dignitaries. Um, we stay busy. Yeah, I'm sure Raleigh is a uh, always a um, president stop, uh, yes. campaign yeah. stop. Yeah. yeah, that whole area there for sure. There's a a lot of influential people in in that area. So we get Knox. Um, well, real quick, what did you have to learn differently? So you worked Coda for a long time, and the way you're handling the bomb dog versus the dope dog specifically, not not so much the lab versus whatever, but the actual work itself. Uh, well, we don't any longer have any aggressive alert dogs, so that's not an issue. All of ours are passive. Nice. So, um, from transitioning from Rocco of training him, cause he did not have any narcotics experience when I got him, he had obedience, some bite work, some sport mm -hmm. stuff. Um, there were honestly a lot of parallels because they were both passive. I mean, the, the biggest thing obviously with a bomb dog is you don't want to mess in with it, touching it. Um, we did the same focused stare on narcotics that we did with explosives. The only difference is that I started her on food um, because we could get a whole lot more reps mm -hmm. done. We have a we have a scent wall that we use for our for our bomb dogs and our dope dogs. Um, that's obviously it can be food, but it's mainly a tennis ball reward. But uh, honestly, a lot of parallels because they're both passive. Yeah, I, I notice uh, guys that go from dope dog to bomb dog like. I, Ted and I both train a bunch of them. And a lot of times I, I do all the imprinting or all the training myself in the beginning, me and the a kid that works for me. And I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm gonna do a little bit differently with the bomb dogs is we're going to, you know, imprint them the same way, whatever way works. I have a couple of systems I use, but with the bomb dog, I want them to see a little bit more of like the handler hiding behind some shit, you know, kind of, kind of deal. Or if we're going to do a, a parking lot, I do a little bit more of here's there's eight cars start at the front of this car, go through, let the wind take you where he's going to go versus a dope dog where we're at a school parking lot. Maybe sure. we're gonna hit every car. Um, and in Ohio, the certification, you it's got to be obvious to the evaluator on the dope dog that he found the dope right for the explosive dog. You're supposed to run all the cars and come back and tell the guy which one's hot. Uh, because it, it, for the explosive dog, I guess the theory would be, it doesn't really matter if they pinpoint it, they had a change of behavior and a final response, get the fuck out of there, you know, right. get, get, get away from it. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, so it's a little bit different. I like to sh show a little bit different picture to the bomb dogs, but, um, you know, the crazy thing in Canton is, um, Chris, uh, who I'd mentioned before is handled. He's on the second bomb dog dual purpose. He has found like 13 actual devices. Oh, wow. With his dogs. Yeah. He found an, an actual explosive device with his first dog and bit the guy who planted it. And then he found, he went and uh, at a homicide scene, they found just a bunch of suspicious stuff. And he was able to eliminate boxes of stuff. Like you can go ahead and move that shit and don't touch any of that stuff. And then he's found a whole bunch of pipe bombs like 11 or 12 pipe bombs in there. So that's for a, 
it's pretty crazy. Yeah. For, for a law enforcement, uh, hammer sure. to, to be able to do that. Um, but, yeah. So you were speaking of imprinting Imprinting's about the same, but yeah, obviously when we continue to progress, then we have a lot more search area for the bomb dogs than we do for the dope dogs. Do you still do direct reward for the bomb or for peppers or were you guys doing indirect? Um, so when we initially imprint, it was all direct with food, like through the pipes and through the scent wall, but now it's marker yeah. trained. So I just, it's just a, a yes for a, a terminal marker and she comes indirectly and gets a reward, whether I toss it or it's at me or it's food in my hand, whatever, whatever it would be. I did yeah, one for, I just finished one. Also, her name was also Pepper, not with peppers, but just Pepper for um, CBS SEAL team. Uh, Justin Melnick, like she's an actual explosive dog and she's still hunt a hundred meters away from me and i can direct her and then she'll come back and on pepper yes and she's on her way back yeah i love it an indirect reward is the way to go in my opinion yeah you know it's funny i i'm always a direct reward guy um but we've had two dogs that came through here uh recently that were such mofos at the box teaching them biting grabbing throwing the box biting at the putting teeth through the wood and everything that we ended up having to change the way we did. And we did indirect for all the imprinting. And then when they kind of really realized the game, then we actually went back to direct reward. Like kind of, it was sure. It's a lot of work, but um, it beat bleeding all over my shit. Every time I <laughs> first rep, yeah. pow, teeth into the box, blood all over the damn right. place. Bite their tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my odor still has blood stains on it. So all right, Knox, let's talk about Knox. Where are we at? So we select Knox. Um, he tests phenomenally. And from honestly, from day one, sure, there were some growing pains of just maturity and teaching him skills and stuff. But I can honestly say that everything we threw at that dog, um, he never batted an eye. He was up for it. He was the most chill, but um focused and ready to work had the best on off switch of any dog that i've worked and owned um when he was on he was ready to work he was focused he was all in um he gave everything he had and then when he was at home he was a you know rollover come love on me um he was a little, I would call him antisocial. He was a one person dog, like super sweet to me, but everyone would say, Oh, can I, can I pet him? And I, we, I've always just had a no petting rule because I didn't trust Coda. So he was a no pet dog. So I just kind of carried that on any dog that is working. That's, you know, an apprehension dog. I, I just believe it's just better to be safe than sorry. Cause accidents can happen for liability yeah. purposes. But it's one of those things with Knox, like people would ask, I'd be like, yeah, you can pet him if you want, because he doesn't even see you. Like he just ignored everybody. He was just looking at me like, what are we doing next? What's going on next? Which was uh, pretty cool, honestly. Um, we quickly formed a bond and trust. Um, he did everything I ever asked of him and just was an, an all around complete dog is how I would best describe him. How old was he when you got him? He was 15 months. Well, that's so. still pretty young, but not bad. I mean, yeah. Ted and I both saw a lot of dogs at around that age. Right. Yeah. I tell the and handlers, do you know, in about four or five months, he's going to be a different dog than he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah. They look at him, especially if there's a new handler coming. They're like, oh, he's kind of a puppy. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he bounces when he runs. Or yeah. Whatever. Just wait. Like, <laughs> like, just wait. 
like he'll like and especially with shepherds they wake up one morning and they're like you know what i'm a big dog now and then they try and fucking i have two testicles yeah and and all of a sudden they're like hey do you know what he did yeah i know exactly what he did yeah he scared you or he scared somebody or he did something like i've never seen him do that before i'm like yeah i know like i mean that's what i mean that's what we mean (laughs) he's gonna be different so this is the dog now this is this is your new reality for the next 10 years so there you go so uh with Knox, um you get it, start getting going through the process, getting him trained up. Um, what ends up happening uh, with him? So we, we had been together um, just over a year, and uh, it was Pepper's birthday, September fourth. <laughs> Easy to remember. And my kids, like I said, have three young girls. They are very involved with the dogs. Um, help me feed them, uh, put them in and out of their kennels, just whatever. They're just dog lovers. Um, and so they asked, it was a weekend, it was a Saturday and they said, Oh, it's Pepper's birthday. We should spend the day with the dogs, which is kind of unusual. I've got three young kids. We're busy. They all play sports or have activities or we have things to do. I work shift work. Like it's pretty unusual for us to just spend an entire day with the dogs, like maybe an hour here, hour there, but, um, but that was their request. So literally all morning we were in the garage, um, let the dogs in with us. We're just hanging out. Um, and then came, it came to be four 30 in the afternoon and we were about to go swimming at our neighbor's pool across the street. And I went into change. The kids obviously got ready faster than I did. So they were back in the garage with the dogs and they yell into me, Knox is throwing up. So, which isn't, didn't really alarm me too much because my dogs all eat grass um, just for snacks or whatever, for whatever reason. So it's not unusual for every once in a blue moon for there to be like a little pile of grass throw up. So I go out there and look at it and it wasn't that at all. Um, it was white foam, uh, which was immediately concerning. Um, so what I didn't know is that he had thrown up a few other times outside because they had free reign to go in and out of the garage. We have a dog door. The dog was, the door was open too. So he had thrown up a few other times outside that I later found out. Um, but, and he just, I just started, he just was acting real strange. He, he was a very over the top high energy dog all the time, even when he was at home. So anytime he saw me, he thought that it was time to play. Like she's coming out to throw something for me, even though we never played at home like that because I have four dogs and there'd be fights over the toys. So we'd never like toss toys um, all together, but he always thought it was time to play. So he'd always run a hundred miles out the door. Um, and this day he wasn't, he was like walking. And I went out there to just kind of walk outside and, you know, just kind of just investigate more of, what's going on with him like just something was off and he just like slowly just meandered behind me which has never happened like never um and i was like something's definitely wrong something's going on he did not have a distended stomach um Mm -hmm. all the obvious signs of bloat that my coworkers have experienced with their dogs that i've been told about that i've researched about that i've read about because it's it's every, every person's fear that owns a deep chested dog. Right. Um, it's always been mine. So I walk out, he's just lethargically just kind of walking behind me, but keeping up, we go back in the garage 
and he tries to lay down and he just is very restless, stands back up, lays down, stands back up. I'm like, something's not right. Can't get comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was a ve- like, even when I got him, it was really unusual. Normally we get these dogs from Europe and they, you know, you don't see these like super defined muscular, uh, builds, right? Like they're kennel dogs. Sometimes they have some muscle atrophy or whatever, but, um, he was not, he had these super defined quads, really tight, um, area in front of the back of his legs. Um, you could see his like last rib or two, cause that's how dogs are supposed to look. <laughs> and, uh, there was something that just barely caught my eye in the bottom of that skinny portion of his stomach, almost like a, a liquid sack that probably nobody else would notice other than me. Cause I look at him every day and it just looked, it just caught my eye and it just looked weird. So when I saw that he threw up again, I immediately loaded him up in my patrol car, called my Sergeant. Well, I first actually called a, a coworker of mine that just went through this with his dog a couple of years ago. I'm like, Hey man, what did you see? Well, he's out at sea fishing. So he doesn't answer my phone mm-hmm. call. Um, so I immediately call the next coworker that had experienced something like that. Cause I had forgotten that my Sergeant actually had experienced it with his retired patrol dog as well. So, um, talk to him briefly, call my Sergeant. Hey, this is what I got. It, it, to me, it just, my gut says it's bloat. I don't see the obvious signs. He doesn't have a distended stomach. Um, but he's throwing up like, and he's like, I said, I, I feel like I need to take him in. He's like, yeah, absolutely go. So I, I, I go straight to the emergency vet. Um, it's labor day weekend, it's Saturday. And at this point it's just after five o'clock. Um, so I get there just after five o'clock, I call them pre-alert them that I'm coming. So they know to expect me. And, uh, I get there, open the door. He jumped into my patrol car when I first loaded him up and he doesn't want to jump out now. So I'm like, that's weird. Like Mm -hmm. definitely we're not going in a good positive direction. So me not knowing, I asked the tech, Hey, am I going to do anything to hurt him by lifting him out? Can I help physically help him out? Or is that going to be detrimental to him? They're like, no, absolutely. Um, take him out. So I do bring him in. Uh, they take him to x-ray, nothing obvious on the x-ray. Um, they see a little foreign body in his stomach, totally unrelated. Um, but no sign of, of torsion or twist of his stomach. They hook him up on his vitals. Um, His vitals are slightly elevated for a very brief time, and then they all go to normal. Uh, So he's laying on this table, and we just wait for for answers, really. It's just kind of a holding pattern. Um, The vet is there. I don't know if a doctor wasn't on staff or or if they had to just page a surgeon in, but nonetheless, um, in hindsight, from the time I got there till the time they actually put him under surgery, it was almost three hours, which from what I've been told, you have about four hours to save their lives. Um, so they ended up taking subsequent x-rays to get different views to, to confirm what they weren't seeing. And it still was inconclusive. So they decided to send the x-rays off to a radiologist, an on-call radiologist. And, um, they said, oh, it can be up to an hour to get the results back, but we're going to call and see if they can expedite it. I said, yeah, that would be great. Like, it, it just feels like it's been a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And so the radiologist gets back to us and says, yeah, we, 
we're just really not sure we see early signs of twisting. So we're recommending that to go ahead and open them up and go in. So we're like, absolutely, like, let's do it. Um, they do. And uh, I go back, I, I leave, I'm with him the whole time. And I leave to go update my sergeant and a coworker who had come um, that were in the waiting room. And when I did, they refused to let me back there with them. Sorry, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, mm -hmm. We joked like I lost my parental rights the second I walked out, even though I had been with him the whole time. So they say, no, we're prepping him for surgery. Uh, there's no point in you staying because once the surgery is complete, he's going to have to be here for 48 hours anyways. So just go home. We'll call you, um, let you know how everything goes. So I, I didn't really put up a fight. I don't know if I should. I, I definitely have some regrets from that day um, of not being more of a vocal advocate for him. I just trusted the the professionals that they knew what was in his best interest and what was going on. Um, so I drove home. I got home and I got a phone call from the doctor saying we're taking him into surgery, which was a little frustrating to me because all that time I could have been still with him because when I got up to leave him, he wanted to get up and come with me as much pain as he was in and as discomfort as he was like as uncomfortable as he was, he still wanted to come with me. Um, so I felt really bad about leaving him. <clears throat> um, so I get that phone call and then about 15 minutes later, uh, my chief calls me, uh, to check in. Um, and I was talking to her for no longer than a minute or two and, and the vet beeps in and I knew, I just, I knew, mm -hmm. um, it was only 15 minutes since they w took him into surgery. They told me it would be about an hour long surgery. And she called and she said, I'm so sorry, but we got in here and, uh, there's nothing that we can do. He's got about 10% of his viable stomach left. Um, and his intestines are completely done. Um, we're recommending that you put him to sleep. So it was, a <clears throat> it was a blow. It wasn't something I was prepared for just because everything just seemed, he just presented so well. These, these animals are just stoic. Like we joke about, we train them, like Eric mentioned earlier, we train them to be Superman. We put them in painful, uncomfortable, foreign situations on a daily basis so that they learn that no matter what kind of pain they're in, they just fight through it and it'll be, it'll be better, right? The pain will go away. We do it in bite work. We do it environmentally. We do it across the board. And uh, I just really feel like these working dogs just are not given enough credit for the, what we turn them into, what we train them to do. And he presented so well that he basically fooled them all that it took over three hours for them to finally cut him open to find out that it was just too late. Um, so they kept him alive for my family and I to come say our goodbyes. We came and, and did that. And then, uh, and he passed. You know, I, I don't know if it's a, um, maybe their first time really having to deal with this type of thing, but in this instance, um, the handler should never be told to leave, you know, no matter what you just sat there, you just stayed there the entire time you just sat in there. Um, you know, our first real incident with this type of stuff was when Jethro got shot. They didn't make anybody leave. We had that place packed with people. Now, granted, there was no COVID or anything like that going on. Sure. But subsequently, we've had dogs get hurt and different things. And when I was the trainer, they'd call me and I'd go meet the guy there. They never made us leave. 
um, I think it's just a, a matter of ex- experience, but you're in a real tricky situation there because you could, and this is, this is a thing in law enforcement that, that folks aren't in it are don't kind of get is if you throw a shit fit, make a real problem in there, there's always this thing in the back of your head too, that you could get in trouble from work, which doesn't happen in any other career that you're in. You know, if you work at UPS and you flip out on the vet's office, no one calls UPS to tell them, but they'll call your brass and say, Hey, your, your girl's being an asshole. Get her out. She's a problem. She's causing, but even though you're not, you're just trying. So, um, you can't beat yourself up over that. It's, it's a weird kind of two step there. Um, and, and kind of the way they're presenting it. Ah, I don't know. Maybe it, it kind of looks like it. We'll get to it, you know, and that, that either way, it's a nightmare all the way around. Um, I am happy that they did at least keep him alive till you guys could get there. Um, that's a, uh, that whole, that whole entire story is a bummer, man. Like, yeah. And don't get me know. wrong. They were super professional and, oh, yeah. uh, and nice. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a negative experience. It's just, you know, just like anything else, hindsight's 2020. I would have rathered, um, them open him up prematurely and potentially save his life and us be frustrated with they went in there and couldn't didn't find anything then wait too late yeah. and then get in there and there's bait there's physically nothing they could do but the way it was described to me is that his stomach twisted 360 degrees so it presented normal on an x-ray uh-huh. And then it twisted in a figure eight. So it twisted two different spots in a figure eight, 360 uh, degrees. So however that uh, happens. Freak, absolute fluke. I, I agree. And the unusual part is the fact that I could literally account for every minute of that day because we were with him. Like that was, that was pretty unusual. Um, so it was, I've, I've went over every minute of that day, hundreds of times in my head. Um, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't, it's just, just reflection and just, you know, making sure there wasn't anything I could have done different, but you've probably become uh, like a subject matter expert on it. Now you probably have read <laughs> right. every possible thing that there is to read about that. And still it wasn't a normal situation, you know? Yeah. And everything I've been told, even by the professionals there, you know, I'm like, Hey, like what, you know, what do you guys, what do you guys advise people to do to prevent it? They're like, you know, we can tell you all these wives tales, but there's nothing to prove that any of them have any correlation with causing it or preventing it, which is really disheartening. Um, and even the procedure to prevent it, the tacking of the stomach is not absolute. It's still a potential that the stomachs can still twist or tear. So it's just, um, an, an unfortunate situation. You know, you mentioned, um, your first dog, like, you know, you saw him slowing down and you saw, like you noticed, right. So it was time for him to retire. And, you know, we've been talking about how we train them to, and you know, to do these jobs. Like they don't fear anything. Like if they actually knew how dangerous it was to bite some, so like to go right. and do what we asked them to do, they're like, fuck that. You don't do it. <laughs> and like, they don't understand. So that's well, great. Uh, you know, and so like they're superheroes, like we said, you know, I mean, they, they don't feel pain and I joke, it's not a joke, but I, I tell my handlers all the time. I'm like, you know, half of your job is keeping him from fucking killing himself. 
And I was like, or hurting somebody else. And I was like, cause that, like, there's something that's going to happen. Like there's definitely not a situation. I mean, there are, but I mean, there's very few situations where it's just kind of like, well, nothing's really going to happen. Like it, it's gonna, and it's going to go bad. Weird. And shit. I was like, like weird stuff. Hurt. Yeah. You know, and you know, you tell the story and all the signs were there, but like the, the medical professionals were like, man, you know, our buddy Clover, um, just had a, his dog pass and it was a similar deal, right? Like the dog had, some, but he was fine. And, you know, and it was a weird, like fluke kidney thing or liver thing, or I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, and Clover beat himself up about it. He was like, dude, I shouldn't have known. I'm like, no, you fucking shouldn't. I'm like, they're fucking superheroes. And like that dog would have worked himself into the ground if you'd let him. So, Absolutely. I mean, and he wasn't that old. So, you know, and Clover's a great dude. And, but so, you know, hearing that is kind of, you know, and that's why, like, as my idiot that's running around right now, he's 12 and like, I'm really careful with him. Like, I don't let him jump on stuff. I don't let him run. I don't make him go run like six miles at a time or anything weird. He gets to play fetch and that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, you're good. Get back in the kennel, you know, hang out, go sit on the couch or whatever else. Cause, you know, his hips are good and his elbows are good and his back is good and everything else. And I want him to stay that way. But I mean, if I let him, he'd already be dead <laughs> like, right. for sure. So, you know, it's an unfortunate, like, I know and it, that sucks. We, I mean, dude, there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this and immediately like every time their dog, even like belches, they're like, what was that? What are you doing? What is it going? What was that? Cause dogs puke. And oh, a yeah. lot, and it yeah, throws you they, off. You know, throw like you said yeah. the grass. You probably have high sugar content in your grass. That's why they eat it. You know, and then they they puke. So, the guys are going to listen to this that were maybe a little paranoid already are going to be like, "What? What are you doing? What is that? You can't drink anything ever or eat anything ever." You know what I mean? But there's no rhyme or reason. You do everything right, and it's still almost like it's pre predestined or predetermined. It's really it's really sad. So. That's what I was going to say. I've heard from a lot of professionals that they believe it's genetic too, that there's, oh. there's nothing you yeah, can I've, do to, to I've prevent heard it too. Like dog, and there, and I, it's a, yeah, it's a predisposition and some kind of the way that the cavity is shaped or something like that. And it's hard to, to, to capture on radiograph and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, okay. And they're like, Oh, it's just large chest of dog. And they were talking about uh, one of the guys here locally that does it. He's a, he was talking about something like a rottweiler or some other big ass dog he's like they're super like prone to it because of the shape it's not necessarily that the chest cavity is wide but it's the shape of it also that matters so um so when that happened um how was that received at the department uh i can't say enough positive about the support that i've had honestly um all the way from my squad to my entire chain of command all the way up to the chief. Uh, we have a fairly new chief that just came from Charlotte Mecklenburg. Um, I mean, like I said, she was, she was on the phone when I got the call from the doctor and then I immediately called her back cause I felt so bad for hanging up on her to take the call from the vet. Um, but I've had nothing but support, um, which has made a really difficult situation easier. If that, if that's possible. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's a, it's a thing too, with the dogs where everybody just kind of really comes together. And, um, 
and, and it, it's the whole thing sucks. Like I'm just sitting here talking to you and obviously it wasn't my dog and we've never met, but I get, you know, pretty emotional about it just from the experiences I've had of all the years I've been in, in dogs. So what, um, what are we doing? What, what are the plans going forward here? It's not a, I'm not trying to say you should replace them right away, but what, what are we doing? No. So the plan is to get a replacement dog. Um, you know, no, nothing's ever going to replace him specifically, right. but I, I genuinely feel like getting a leash in my hand for another patrol dog and starting over is going to help the healing process. Uh, the longer I come to work without a patrol dog, feel like I'm mm -hmm. out of the game. Um, and, and I'm not assisting in that way because that's where my passion is. That's where our primary focus is. I mean, the, the explosive dogs aren't used very much on duty. Um, a lot of their usage is off duty for yep. sweeps. So um, I don't like, I'm, I'm just not a bench player. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to be back in. I, I still love handling dogs. I still want to continue handling dogs and I'm looking forward to the, the next experience with the, the next dog. So you've been there long enough now. Are you considered one of the trainers or how do you guys work that? Um, so not officially, um, I definitely have a passion for training. I like to share it with others, but we have two, uh, more senior guys that are labeled as the trainers. Um, but it's, uh, it's a group effort, but yeah, they're mm -hmm. one is prior military and he's been on the canine unit for 20 plus years. The other one is also prior military, not a dog handler in the military, but, um, he was 15 years on another department and then on canine. Um, and then came here. So they both are a wealth of knowledge. I've been fortunate enough to be paired up with both of them, one of them now currently. Um, so I uh, view myself as a trainer, but I'm not an official like labeled trainer on our, on our unit or department. Yeah. When you guys finally make that, that call where you get the dog and you're going to have your class, let me know. I'll come down and bring my suit down and be just somebody different for him to bite. Be like, we usually don't get to bite old dudes. Right. Hey, let's go bite <laughs> Kenny Rogers over there. Bite fucking old people. Yeah. That's right. generous. I appreciate it. Yeah, no hopefully problem. we'll be finding something soon and getting started. That's the plan. Yeah, get back on the horse, so to speak, you know, especially yep. when that's your love. And it's a weird thing, too, man, when a dog retires or a dog passes away or something like that, the handlers oftentimes have to make a, a career decision, right? Like right then and there. Like, do you want another dog right now? Or do you want to try to go do something else or whatever? And seems like you hundred percent know where you're going to be. Yeah. So I'm definitely not done working dogs. It's my love and my passion. It's why I'm still in this profession because it's the best job on the department in my biased opinion. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Instagram real quick and social media and tell everybody again, what the IG page name is. Uh, we just have Instagram. Uh, it's just a dog focus page it's uh, named after coda my original dog it's canine coda k-o-t-a um s crew k-r-e-w so it's canine coda's crew and it just features all four of my dogs i have a a personal malinois that i was a washout from mike suttles class actually that mm -hmm. i got brought home at 10 weeks just as a a training project so she she gets some time on there too but it's just a dedication to the working dogs it's been a phenomenal networking and um page to to learn from i follow trainers like the two of you and many others on there that i would have never otherwise even known anything about so it's 
it's been a very positive experience. And guys, listen, if you go check out her page, if you're a current law enforcement canine handler, follow her lead. You are not going to get in trouble. She's doing it correctly. Um, make sure again that you have support of your place. Just don't start your own Instagram page with your uniform and shit in it. You know, you, it can be a problematic situation. Um, and don't do dumb shit on there. Just grow it naturally. She's got a good following. She's got a nice, a uh, lot of people. It's all positive. It's good pictures of her and the dogs. There's nothing weird on there. Um, not doing stupid crap and and stuff like that. It's, it's a very, you, you do a nice job with it. Um, and it's a tricky, it's a tricky line, tricky situation. When you start gaining popularity on the internet, when it comes to this line of work, it can rub some people the wrong way. You know, there's a little stroke job every once in a while jabbing from the other handlers or picking on you. Or, oh yeah. Everything for the gram or whatever, you know, cause you got to get pictures all the time, but definitely go check Michelle's page out. Cause it's, uh, it's, you're doing it right. It's the right way to do. And you guys are TikTok cops. Get the fuck off TikTok. Stop <laughs> it. There's calls to be handled period. There are calls waiting while you're on TikTok. Just so you know, Dumbass shit. So, um, you're going to have to tell your brass if they want to listen to this, skip the first, what, two minutes while I was mofo and chiefs and everything like that. But, uh, other than that, <laughs> I'm really happy to have you on. It's been great. Ted, where can you be found on the internet? Uh, uh, Torchlight K9, letter K number nine, Torchlight Pets uh, for all of the cute dogos. So you can see the kettlebell with legs that I'm training right now. And uh, I'm getting a doodle that looks like fried chicken. That's going to be fantastic. So uh, they sent me a picture of him. I'm like, oh man, is his name Colonel Sanders? And uh, Alicia was like, do not say that. I'm like, but he looks like fried chicken. So I don't know, he's a doodle. You should I'm probably sure. just not talk to the owners. No, I, I, they don't. I Do you have a front to. of the house person? Does Alicia? That, do that? I try not to, but they <laughs> stick me in front of people and I'm, you know, sleeveless with tattoos and fucking cry precision pants on. And I'm like, this is what you need to do. I feel like Chris Farley. So, yeah. um, and on Torchlight, or then, so we also have HRD Police K9. Uh, and, uh, of course, working underscore dog underscore radio for the podcast. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the year. COVID hosed this last year. We're going to do a Christmas thing this year. So for Patreon members, which you also have a Patreon. So look us up on Patreon. Um, I have some videos uh, that I'm editing of the three uh, GSPs that we're doing, two explosive or one explosive and two narcotics that I'm doing, um, which are is interesting uh, and kind of dovetails in some of the conversations we had tonight. And then uh, for the puppy I'm getting, uh, we'll be doing a whole series on him. Um, I'm not keeping him. He's going to go on to the SWAT team, I think. So uh, and probably in 2023. So he's, uh, but he's a long-term project, but I'm getting him. He's going to be eight weeks old. So there'll be a whole series on that, but that's on Patreon also. Um, e, what about you? Where are you at? Uh, Van S canine is basically what you need to look at on Instagram. I have it on Facebook too, but I um, mostly post as far as police dog stuff goes. Um, you were making fun of me today and I want to address that's that. The whitest thing I saw today. Yes. So I, <laughs> um, because I, right. Because I don't have any dogs <laughs> in the kennel. I'm going up to the pet facility every morning and helping out with daycare. We had an ass load of dogs at daycare today. So I was helping out with that. And then we have some training dogs, day training dogs. I'm like, trainers are stuck in there. I'm going to go run reps on the day training. We have this little four month old, uh, dog named Coco doodle. 
and she just started Monday. And so I'm working already on place. She's getting it fast place with duration, stay on place. And I find with dogs like that, as long as they're not afraid and she's not afraid of anything. If I do goofy crap on there, walk around, spin, turn, whatever, they, they stare at you like, what the heck is going on? But they don't get up. And then I stop, go back, mark and pay them. Right. It's a little trick. If the dog is fearful, it doesn't work. They'll come running to you when they see anything kind of strange. Don't think you're having a seizure. Well, the way I look today, yes, I get that. <laughs> um, so I I put my phone up. There's music playing on a speaker, and I was dancing around with her. And I was like, yeah, this will be a funny little pro tip. And I put my phone up, and of course, as soon as I start videoing, no music's playing. It shuts it off from the speaker. So I'm like, I'm just going to do... Um, real basic white dad dude dancing. Oh, you have and that it's nailed. pathetic, but I have, you were just missing some new balances. Listen, dude, I'm going <laughs> to tell you something that most people don't know about me. Like 10 people know I can actually dance. I in high school was in a break dance group. So I can pop lock. I can do all kinds of shit. Um, just, I didn't do it today. I saw it today. It was pretty good. Yeah. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Oh I my God. It. Appreciate it. I'll Venmo you for that. Thank Eric you. is going to have to come <laughs> on and just fucking street cred. Like I can do, I can do. Dude, if I had cardboard and a, an old Michael Jackson silk coat, I'd have boom, oh spun that God. bitch up. Oh geez. All right. All right. Well, that's it, man. <laughs> yeah. It was a pleasure guys. Thank you for having yes. me. Thanks. Yes, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks everybody. We'll see you guys later. You got your reasons. And I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.